The cop killing of a black individual leads to protest, which leads to violence, which leads to burning of buildings, which leads to Hollywood and the Biden campaign bailing the rioters out. All on the next Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. So by now, you're probably all well aware of the craziness that has ensued because of the cop killing. So the Minneapolis Police Department, there was a cop who apparently got into it with somebody who was passing around counterfeit bills. I'm hearing there was a possibility that he and some girl were selling drugs and uh, somebody called the cops on him. And the police officer ends up there's a bit of video that's missing, but he ends up taking the individual down in the street and the individual's like, his name's uh, uh, George Floyd. He's screaming that he can't breathe and the cop has his freaking knee on the dude's neck for like 10 minutes. I watched the video and I was going, this doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? The guy's obviously subdued. You got him. You, there's no need for this. And he's staring into the camera like, hey, everybody, look at me. And people are asking him. They're like, dude, what are you doing? You, you've already subdued this guy. And of course, in the video, you see him die, which is the most disturbing thing you'd want to see. And this caused national outrage, and rightfully so. You know, when, when Trayvon Martin, when that incident happened, first off, the media did like they're doing now, like they always do. They find a way to exploit it towards the agenda. Because we'll get into that here in a little bit. The media is the deep state, but along with a lot of other people. But that's the thing. When Trayvon Martin happened, you know, of course, the media said, oh, it's a white Hispanic guy that took him down. Well, the interesting part of it was they said, oh, he was just a young kid. And I kept seeing pictures of this, like, this prepubescent baby looking black kid who isn't the one that they actually got into it with George Zimmerman heck that guy was this diesel looking tatted you know thug well he wasn't in the neighborhood just to get skittles he was selling drugs and he attacked George Zimmerman and Zimmerman fought back and I'm not taking up for him but that's what happened that's those details made a difference in that story that we said, I, I can't side with Trayvon Martin on this one. You guys can and say it was simply because he was black. I'm going to say it's something else. Then Mike Brown happened. Same thing there. You got the story. You got the little picture of him. The prepubescent Mike Brown looked like a little kid. Next thing you know, oh, he was actually, what, he was in his 20s? Um, or he was just over 18? You find out he beat up the store owner. Then as he was walking in the street and the cop the cop was called to look for an individual of his description, and he asked him some questions. Michael Brown decides to bum-rush the cop and steal the dude's weapon, and then the cop ends up shooting him in the process? I can't side with Mike Brown on that one. Sorry. Eric Garner, same thing. He died of a heart attack, selling cigarellos and all that stuff. But he, yeah, there was obsessive uh, use of a headlock, but that wasn't what killed him. This situation, I'm siding with George Floyd on this one. Everybody is. 
And that's the problem. We were all, there was nobody that was taking the side of the police officer. And after you go around arresting people in the middle of a pandemic for operating a tattoo parlor or a hair salon, I'm not on your side, buddy. Sorry. I support law enforcement. I always have. But at the same time, and I've said this for years, if you've listened to my program, if you've been on my Twitter page, if there is a revolution, Everybody goes, oh, well, you know, Obama, when he was in office, he was going to use the military to take over. The no, they're not going to use the military to take over the country. Sorry, that's too cut and dry. The military sign up. They sign up for service because of love of country and because they want to protect the citizenry. Law enforcement, a lot of them do sign up for love of their, their community and that they want to make a difference. But there are quite a few that get jaded with dealing with the citizenry on a day-to-day -day basis to where they just assume everybody's guilty, no matter what happens. Some people are so jaded by it, there's plenty of dirty cops. Then you get the fact that they're buying military-grade uh, Humvees and all types of military equipment from the Army that they're using for law enforcement. And I get it. The reason why is something, it was an incident that happened back in California. I want to say it was in the 90s where they just the, the police department was just getting gunned down. So, yeah, I get the reasoning, but at the same time, I get how the governors can weaponize the, the law enforcement against the community. If that's how you wanted to take over a community, you would do it through law enforcement, not through the use of military. But beyond that, this incident happens, and just the whole thing just doesn't make sense from what, what transpires after that. First, I want you to listen to this news report. And I find this really bizarre. Not a lot of people are talking about it, but apparently um, the police officer and George Floyd worked together at a security club together. To be clear, while Maya Santa Maria says the two men worked for her as recently as last year, she says she does not know if Derek Chauvin and George Floyd ever actually spoke to each other. The first time she saw this video, Maya Santa Maria says it took her a moment to make the connection. My friend sent me and said, this is your guy, the guy who used to work for you. And I kept saying, it's not him. And then they did the close up. And that's when I said, oh, my God, that's him. She says now former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin works security for her at El Nuevo Rodeo for 17 years before she sold the club just months ago. He sometimes he sometimes had a real short fuse and he seemed just, uh, afraid when there was an altercation. He <clears throat> always resorted to pulling out his mace and, and pepper spraying everybody right away, even when I felt it was unwarranted. Even more surreal, Santa Maria says, is that George Floyd, the man pinned under Chauvin's knee on Monday night, worked for her, too. I didn't recognize George as one of our security guy, guards because he looked really different lying there like that. And it wasn't until I saw the pictures of him come up, then it snapped, and, and one of my employees said, look, Maya, he, he worked for us. Both men who worked security for the same club before their final encounter that left one dead and the other at the center of national outrage. But Santa Maria says she does not know if they ever really knew each other. Um, they were working together at the same time. It's just that Chauvin worked outside and the security guards were inside. I thought to myself, what if he could just could have just said, hey, man, you and I worked together at Maya's place, man. Like, remember me? 
Santa Maria says George Floyd had been working security at her club for about a year on some of their busiest nights. She said he might have been among 20 or 30 people she would bring in for security in addition to off-duty police such as Chauvin. We've reached out to Chauvin's attorney and the Minneapolis Police Department about this development, but at this point we're still waiting to hear back. That's bizarre. And a lot of people said, well, they didn't really, I, I, how do you know that they know each other? It was a big club. There was like 20 different security officers. He worked in the front. The cop worked in the front of the house outside. Uh, George Floyd worked in the back. You know, I mean, they might not have ever met uh, until you hear what this lady said about it. You know, I think it's really interesting that right across the street from where Allie is standing um, is a restaurant called El Nuevo Rodeo. Um, George Floyd works at that restaurant. So did Officer Chauvin. They were both bouncers at that restaurant for 17 years. So Officer Chauvin, he knew George. They were co-workers for a very long time. 17 years? 17 freaking years? Um, there was not one staff meeting? There wasn't one time where the club owner got the security detail together? Look, years and years ago, back in my, you know, 20s and my fun days, um, I worked at a, I was a bar manager for a resort bar that had over 17 bartenders who were walking out with almost a grand a night. We had security detail like it was going out of style. And you know what? We knew all their names. They knew each other. We had staff meetings with them. Don't tell me they didn't know each other. What was really bizarre, too, was the fact that when things started happening, when protests started beginning, apparently there was a police officer who was disguised as a protester who started the fire at the auto zone. Remember, the target was hit. And I mean, I'm telling you, you want to know when a pandemic is over? When they are chiseling the self-checkout registers to the bone with a hammer and chisel, that's the sign for you that the pandemic is officially over. You no more staying at home. You can get out now. You can go to church. All right. That is your sign when they're destroying and picking apart the self-checkout register and they're walking out with 80 inch flat screen TVs out of a smoldering target. Yeah, that's your sign that the pandemic is officially over. But anyways, you know my views on the pandemic. I don't even, I don't think it was ever an issue. But regardless, yeah, apparently a cop was seen. I saw the video. He's he's walking with the freaking police department, uh, with the protesters, the police officer. And they matched up the picture and it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty uh, convincing. Um, so yeah, makes you go, was this orchestrated? He worked with the guy for 17 years. There was one video and I've heard questionable things about it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to use that as a metric, but basically what they were saying is, um, look, do you see the police officers are getting out of the, uh, the EMT They're you know, they're getting out of the ambulance and they're in police uniforms and wearing bulletproof vest. Well, come to find out, apparently it's really bizarre to me, but apparently it's true. Um, the Minneapolis Police Department, the EMT or the uh, EMTs, they look 
Like, um, they actually, they actually look like the police department, the EMTs. Their uniforms are beige and they've got, you know, the black pockets and everything. It's really bizarre to me. So when you're, when you're seeing things like this and they make you question what's going on and nothing makes sense, like, look, look at what happened with CNN. CNN was in, was being, uh, being arrested. They had a camera crew being arrested and it was really, it looked really staged. It was really weird. It's like, they were saying, hey, uh, you want us to move? Um, yeah. Oh, oh, we're getting locked up. And then they lock up, you know, the, the reporter. They take him away. And then they start to arrest the cameraman. The camera guy puts his camera down. But luckily, it's positioned enough to where he can kind of look down and get himself in the sh- in the camera shot perfectly as he's being handcuffed. So then he gets taken away. And it was really bizarre because they didn't do anything that looked like it was worth apprehending him. But then... Listen to this. There was a news reporter out on the beat and she goes out there to film the event that's going on. The rioters are going everywhere and the cop starts shooting her with rubber bullets. That people were very prepared. Hey, man, we're behind the line. Okay. Okay, well, you keep going and go where you gotta go. And that's fine with us. Um, okay. We got plenty of time here. <laughs> are you okay? I'm getting shot. I'm getting... Katie, Katie, are you okay? Bullets, those are they, bullets, they who are they aiming yeah um they were aiming at the reporter <laughs> it's insane i saw another video where there was a crowd of people in minneapolis and the cops come by. There's one cop coming after the next. And one of them rolls down the window and starts spraying mace. It was insane. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't make this up. So on top of all that going on, suddenly things start breaking out everywhere else. I mean, it kind of like spread like wildfire. It was really crazy. Showing up in, uh, what, uh, Nashville. Showing up in uh, D.C., um, you know, of course, they're going, F Trump, F Trump, which I don't understand what he had to do with anything. They showed up at CNN and they started beating the windows. They started breaking windows and they were trying to get into the CNN studios. They graffitied the CNN logo, which is like 20 feet tall. They almost pulled one of the ends down and people online saying, well, why are they targeting uh, CNN? Do you not remember the video from Project Veritas? They said it themselves. They said, we are going to go into a studio like MSNBC or CNN and pull out the reporters and the production people and beat them in the streets. That's what they were trying to do. And I was watching CNN for the first time in probably a decade to see what they thought on the inside. And Anderson Cooper just looked like, man, a deer in the headlights. I mean, he was nervous. He didn't know what was going to happen. So they end up going after CNN. And then a Fox News crew gets arrested in Minneapolis, I believe. And yeah, CNN really didn't cheer them on when when the uh, when Fox News apparently was supporting CNN's crew that got arrested. But, you know, whatever. Um, that's how they roll. But this whole thing has been just a complete crap show. People are getting beat in Dallas. They beat this guy down in the middle of the streets. He looked like he was dead. Luckily, I heard he's in stable condition, but seriously injured. There's another person that they... They chased out into a street and just 
bum rushed him, knocked his teeth out. Um, in Chicago, there's riots. It, it, this whole thing seems contrived. And then when you start to see that they put logistical weaponry throughout the cities that they wanted these uh, violent riots to happen, you start to question things. There was an article from Denver. What is the name of the art? The, I can't remember the name of the, it's like the Denver Chronicle or some crap like that. Well, they said that there was gas cans and weapons placed about throughout the city. And then you get a video like this where the guy actually calls out the fact that somebody delivered pallets of bricks in the middle of the metropolis. It's just a whole pallet of bricks sitting there. Yeah, they put them there. This on the setup. They put them there on purpose. Y'all know bro. where they at. They gonna set them on right up on the route. Of, Y'all know what building this is right on, here. Now. I ain't even gonna say what name it is. Hey, where do them bricks go to? Where do them bricks go to? Where do them bricks go to? We gotta do better. Ain't no. That's amazing. Pallets of bricks being placed about. That's a logistical. Uh, I, that's a logistical amazing feat right there because you know what that is Antifa Antifa's hands are all over this we're learning and Antifa is coming through and hijacking the Black Lives Matter protests some of them are actually angry with Antifa because they were trying to have believe it or not a peaceful protest and the Antifa people came in and started firebombing the place and just causing all types of chaos well not only that you see video footage of one individual who's Antifa-connected uh, paying people in the street to go do things. This whole thing is not organic whatsoever. But how do you handle somebody? Like, uh, you know, if you're a business owner, like those two guys in front of the, uh, the sub shop where they came rolling out with AK-47s, um, yeah, you handle it like this guy did with his shotgun. We got the bike like, look. Yo, yo, look at it. This the owner. This the owner. Yo, this the owner right here. Yo, he about to let it off. He about to let it off on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is he talking about? Get the fuck about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Go get them. Get them out of your shop. Because you know what? The law enforcement is not helping us. This is exactly what they did here in, in Charlottesville, in Virginia. We had Governor McAuliffe. You had an Antifa-supportive mayor in Charlottesville and a lieutenant mayor as well. They told the local police to stand down when the... Uh, when the protesters who were protesting the, you know, the statues, the historic statues from being taken down, and Antifa showed up, you had state police told to stand down. You had the police that were on the scene moving the protesters directly into the path of Antifa. That's when Heather Heyer was killed. Because in trying to get out of there, they one guy stepped on the gas, drove right over her. And that's what they were doing. They were actively pushing this into a volatile situation. Same thing's happening here. The mayor of, of uh, Minneapolis is a puss. And that guy's out there supporting Antifa. In fact, there's a picture of him and his, his wife wearing Hillary Clinton socks. So we know where they're going. 
But that's the thing is, Antifa is all over this. And Antifa, if you remember, Ed Klein wrote this in his book, back when they had the G20 summit in, in uh, Germany, Antifa showed up there and met with ISIS leaders. And what's interesting about that is two things. First off, you've got mayors like the mayor of Charlottesville, who is sympathetic with Antifa, like Bill de Blasio, who is sympathetic with Antifa as well. In fact, he flew from New York to go help Antifa protest and firebomb places in Germany. Yeah, the mayor of New York. The one that basically shut down parks and, and beaches, yet he's going to parks and he's working out in gyms that should have been closed because, you know, those things for thee, not for, you know, for or those things for me, not for thee. But the other interesting thing about the ISIS connection is because the dropping off of equipment and supplies and weaponry is an ISIS thing. Uh, Rukimi, I can't remember her last name. She's a Washington Post writer. But she was, in, she's got a podcast. I think it's called The Caliphate. And she is on all things ISIS. She knows ISIS inside and out. And even though she's on the left, she actually has some good reporting on ISIS. And I followed her deeply to find out some of the details. And she wrote an article about what they do. If they wanted a lone wolf attack, ISIS would supply them with the weaponry. Give them the drop location. And they show up and they get it. And then they conduct their, you know, their incidents. And if you remember the FBI show that we did years ago, I think it's a couple years ago, where I found that article in Business Insider where the FBI, and this is where I thought it was a, a connection to Vegas in some way, or at least it should be looked into, it was a hunch that should be followed, was that the FBI, if they find somebody who is reaching out to conduct some sort of attacks, the FBI will supply them with the weaponry in hopes to catch them before it happens. And it was called as the FBI manufacturing terror events or something like that. Well, yeah, they are if they don't catch them in time. I mean, and look at who our FBI actually was at the time. Under Comey. Under McCabe. Peter Strzok. Yeah. Do you think it would... Would you put it past them that they wouldn't do that here in America? Remember, under the State Department, under the State Department run by Hillary Clinton and eventually taken over and continued by John Kerry, you had issues such as Civil Society 2.0, where what they were doing is they were going around to different countries that they wanted to remove the leadership of that country. They would find revolutionaries, teach them how to be uh, connected and on the same page using tech. They would find a little incident like the tolls going up on the uh, on the on the uh, passenger trains in Chile, or you know some sort of some sort of thing that would make people snap a little bit, or make people get out and protest, and they would utilize that to turn it into violent revolutions to remove people from power. That's what happened in Libya. That's where you got a Benghazi. You know that's what happened in Ukraine. That's why they're covering all this stuff up. So when you have all that happening. And you come to find out, you think, would that happen domestically? Uh, maybe that's what Antifa was designed to do. All of them are from Democratic Socialists of America. If you go on the, uh, was it, anti-fascist uh, Reddit board, they actually have a list of locations, times, and dates 
of where these violent protests are going to take place. All you gotta do is go log on and you can, okay, I got one in my backyard. Well, let's grab the weapons and let's drive on out. Get the kids in the car, get the girl dressed up in black blocks so that she can get sprayed with mace. Yeah, that actually happened. She was like a little eight-year-old girl dressed in the black block, you know, the Antifa mask and black suit. She got sprayed with mace. Yeah, let's get the kids in the car. Let's go down downtown so we can just, you know, raise holy hell and start breaking windows and firebombing the place. The fact that the police are allowing this, the fact that the governors are allowing this, same governors who locked down states, destroyed your economy, destroyed your way of life, it, it goes to show you something bigger, something more insidious, something bigger in all of this. You know, and, and would you expect anything less when you had, what, eight years under Obama of fundamental transformation? I mean, really? I mean, what happens when you had eight years of fundamental trans, uh, transformation? You have a government that spied on the entire nation with the NSA. You have that same government and that same agency and other agencies spying on a private citizen running for public office who eventually wins, like Donald Trump. You have law enforcement that quits enforcing laws. I mean, you have elected officials on every level who are in bed with non-governmental organizations, NGOs, who want to collapse our nation. It's insane. I mean, think about it. With, with the pandemic, the economic collapse of the pandemic over faulty data and crap models, or through the aiding and abetting of violent riots, we are the last line of defense, gang. And if you lay down and let them strip away your natural right to self-defense while giving away the integrity of the vote via mail-in voting and not even pushing for voter ID, and then you instill more anti-American politicians with hidden agendas into office while also having the ability for them to put their knee on your neck and you'll have no ability to effectively defend yourself because you've allowed elected representatives who represent outside interests, not yours as they should, they represent violent interest. You let you allow them to eliminate your God-given natural right to second defense under the Second Amendment. I mean, if this was a time to truly drain the swamp, this is it. I mean, the the bureaucracy is littered with democratic socialists. You remember that on the Project Veritas videos? Even the news media, ABC, they were in on it. Production staff and reporters were being interviewed under Project Veritas, and they said, "Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a democratic socialist." The democratic socialists are communists. They are a communist organization. They address each other as comrade. They believe in the exact same governmental policies and, pr and principles as the Soviets. And they'll stop at nothing to win. They're extremely well-funded. If we had a bureaucracy that wasn't infested with these bastards, we would have some, someone surveilling them, investigating them for treasonous events. So it's down to you or I. Defend yourself. Stand up for the... Uh, stand up against the circumvention of our Constitution? Stand up for the integrity to vote? The integrity of the vote? Go to church. Go outside. Dine at a restaurant. Live life, but defend yourself. Don't wear a mask anymore. It's been told it doesn't work. I mean, you know, it's really amazing. You've got these people out here. I got into it with some person, Mass Save Lives, you know, and she goes... Riots are the voice of the unheard. Stop killing black people and they might stop retaliating. Funny how that works. To which I responded, so the voice of the unheard needs 80-inch Vizio flat screens. 
I mean, seriously. This is insane. But that's, you know, that's the deep state. The deep state is what we're seeing right now in America. I mean, the deep state is more than just the federal bureaucracy. You know, it's, it's when you really break it down and you look at it all, it's, it's a ton of things. I mean, it's, it's not just the federal bureaucracies, it's state governors, it's mayors, it's local law enforcement, it's Hollywood, it's the news media, it's the NGOs, it's Silicon Valley, you know, the tech companies and the social media platforms, it's the multinational corporations that are making commercials, we're all in this together. You know, stay at home, stay safe. They did that right out the gate. It's Harvard shutting down its school and sending all its kids home that made all the governors scared. The same Harvard taking money from China and also lashing out against homeschooling. They were all in on overthrowing the republic. And they didn't get it through an election result. They didn't get it through impeachment and removal of a president. They had to wreck the economy over a virus. And now they've taken it to the streets. They've organized beyond belief. They've dropped ballots of, of pallets of bricks and gas canisters, canisters wherever, you know, logistics they require. So now they're going to be violent. And hey, they're paying violent people or they're paying people to be violent. I mean, after they've wrecked our economy, forced three million in unemployment, who doesn't need a side hustle these days? I mean, it's it's time for somebody to infiltrate Antifa. Somebody that can get in there and find out who's behind it, who's paying them, who's organizing them. They're a decentralized organization. We covered that years ago. You know, that means they operate in small little cells to make it look leaderless, like Occupy Wall Street, which is where that all stemmed from. But someone needs to find the funding mechanism, which we know it's Soros. We know it's those uh, people that want to overthrow the country. But we need to start in moving from the inside of their organization to tear them apart before they try to tear us apart. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a while. I'm going to give you another podcast very soon. Um, of course, until they uh, get rid of these stupid restrictions, it's kind of hard to record in a studio the way I like. But at least, you know, I want to thank you for listening to me. Um, follow me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, iHeart. Tune in, Spotify. Um, you can donate, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show or at anchor.fm. And we'll see you guys next time.